Show me the science with Professor Luke O'Neill. Hello, I'm Luke O'Neill and welcome to my Show Me the Science podcast. Now, I've got another cracker for you, which is one of my other favourite topics. I think I've touched on this over the last... We've done 927 podcasts on this time. Not, maybe not quite that. It feels like that many. but um, So, this is the science of dopamine. Now, we've often spoken about the brain, because obviously you can't get away from the brain and you know, how the brain works and all kinds of topics in that area. But this is really good because dopamine is a really, really important neurotransmitter. And I came across a really interesting piece about this, actually, and the nature of dopamine and how you get a dopamine high from lots of things. And it's kind of a self-help thing in a way, because this, this what I'm going to tell you about is how to handle your dopamine. Much of the difficulties we have in life, maybe that's too strong a phrase for it, but many issues that we have about thrill-seeking or not getting enough bang for your books when you do things and a sense of dissatisfaction, say, and withdrawal and all kinds of things is down to this single uh, neurotransmitter dopamine. And there's some advice towards the end. I'm going to become a self-help guru uh, towards the end on this one. And that's great science as well, thankfully. So, now, what is dopamine? It's a neurotransmitter. And I think, as we might have mentioned before, the way the brain operates is highly complicated and we still don't fully understand the brain, of course. But we do know, and this was discovered, I think the first neurotransmitter was discovered about 100 years ago, actually, there are chemicals made in your brain that communicate between neur- allow communication between neurons. So one neuron in your brain, long dangly cell, will release a neurotransmitter which connects to the next neuron and a circuit is set up. And that circuit then controls how the brain works, we think, in all kinds of complicated ways. And there's loads of neurotransmitters. And it was the biochemists and the chemists who purified them from brains initially. They could detect them, first of all. Then they began measuring them and studying what they did in various experimental settings. And it was realised that there's loads of them. Uh, The first to be characterised called acetylcholine, actually. But this one, dopamine, has probably received the most attention. Huge amount of people work on dopamine. Now, there's two main reasons for this. And they're, they're different. They're quite distinct, actually. The first one is to do with behaviour. So dopamine is tied into what's called motivation and reward. And remember, you're nothing but a bag of chemicals. Never forget that. Don't think you're that great because you're actually And dopamine is one of the key chemicals that controls us in many ways. Now, it's a wondrous thing, of course, but still, it is a chemical that does things to us and makes us behave in a certain way. So it is called the motivation molecule. It's tied into what's called reward-motivated behavior. And I'm mainly going to talk about that. The second thing about dopamine, though, is really important as well. Uh, In Parkinson's disease, in one part of the brain, dopamine stops getting made. It's called a substantia nigra. And in that part of the brain, that controls movement. And dopamine is tied into movement. So it's got two jobs, if you like. It's a bit strange. Often in biology, we see double jobbing. Actually, evolution can be very, very efficient. So it's a bit like your iPhone. can do 10 different things. Uh, Dopamine, it's tied into reward, but separately, it's also tied into movement. I'll come back to that a bit as well, because obviously people may have an interest in Parkinson's in various ways. But my main goal today is to tell you about the reward-motivated behavior aspect. Now, what's going on here? Well, if you're like me and Owen and all of us, uh, we yearn for new experiences, don't we? We get bored. <laughs> it's an attention span thing. Owen has got bored at least 20 times during these podcasts, but I keep him going somewhere. And I'm hoping one day to have a dopamine rush after one of them. But we yearn new experiences. We, we evolve to be constantly looking for new experiences. It's one reason why we survive as a species, probably. In other words, you can imagine back in the Stone Age, you're stuck in some valley somewhere and maybe the water runs out. You need to be motivated to move somewhere else and explore. 
So we're always looking for new experiences. It might be different types of foodstuffs, and that's obvious. If you live off the one type of food, maybe that food dies off and gets contaminated, and that particular crop dies, and then you, you become extinct, you know? So we're always looking for different foodstuffs. And secondly, of course, different nutrients are in different foods. So we're motivated to experience new types of food all the time. You get fed up on your job. We're looking for new jobs all the time, or new experiences, basically. And we're looking for new excitement in terms of creative things. So we love going to a new movie, don't we? Or reading a new novel, even though there's similarities to still new plots or new characters. And we crave this. So, so we're driven to look for new experiences, you see. And it turns out dopamine is absolutely tied into this. Because the reason why a new experience feels good is dopamine gets made in your brain. And that creates this reward sensation. It's a pleasurable thing, you see, when you try out something new. And, 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 and it evolves to have that function, basically. So you keep looking for new things to get your dopamine rush, if you will, or kick from dopamine. And that's the way it is normally. And me- all animals have, all mammals have this, for instance, they all make dopamine. And it gives them the reward sensation. A good example is your to-do list. There's a great one. So, you know, when you tick off your to-do list, and I have a to-do list, like, for example, my to-do list at the moment is saying, get on with this podcast. When I'm done with this one, I'll tick, say, oh, that podcast was done. Tiny dopamine rush, you know. We get a reward sensation from doing something. And if it's a new podcast like this one, I get an even higher reward. I get a sense of satisfaction. I can't keep talking about the one uh, topic all the time that wouldn't satisfy me, would it? So again, dopamine's tied into the, the search for novelty and then the reward we get from novelty. Now, that's all very well. There is a very, very dark side to this. Things like caffeine, cocaine, gaming, many activities that give us reward also are triggering the dopamine sensation. So therefore, part of the reward you feel after you've been gaming or you've taken a drug like cocaine or methamphetamine is a really awful one for this. They cause a massive increase in dopamine and you feel good after it, don't you? But the trouble is, it goes too high. So the dopamine levels climb, climb and climb and climb. Very, very strong dopamine response, especially into certain drugs. And what that means has to be a crash because the brain tries to reset itself because you can't have too much dopamine all the time because that'll be far too stressful for us to be searching out rewards all the time and all the rest of it. So too high dopamine can cause problems. So you get a crash. It goes way down, but the trouble is it goes down too low. Now, it's a bit like a swing in a way, swinging back and forth. If you push the swing out too far say it'll swing back too far and then you get a lurch backwards you know the swing's trying to get back into the middle remember if you go way way back too far and you get a crash then you feel awful and you crave even more thrills so one of the consequences of this high of dopamine is the down has to come the tide goes in and the tide goes out as a good way to put it when the tide has gone out you feel awful you feel anxious you feel a bit depressed you're craving to get back to that reward sensation and that gives rise to addictive behaviour you know and you're unhappy and you go looking for more things the trouble is the massive high that you get from too much dopamine there's a down regulation of the receptors for dopamine in your brain and remember dopamine is being sensed by these things called receptors. If they get overstimulated, they shut down because your brain's trying to go back to normal. And the trouble is those receptor levels plummet and now you need a lot more dopamine because there's not enough receptors to sense them, if you know what I mean. To, to occupy all the receptors, you need even more. So therefore you crave things even more and that's what causes many, many problems when it comes to addiction and unhappiness, you see. And all the evidence lately is, is, is supporting this, that the unnatural high that you get... Now mind you, sometimes you get it from a natural high. And many people will tell you that, if, let's say they win a, a medal in sport 
they'll be in great form for a day or two. The crash will come, you know, two or three days later, you know. Or And again, sadly, it happens with a great night out, doesn't it, as well? And that's partly because you've driven the dopamine too hard. You will have this restoration, a, a, a kind of a crash down and then back to normal again. And it does restore, of course, which is great. The brain is wonderful at restoring things back to normal. So it happens through natural things as well. And it's just a, a life is like that, isn't it? You shouldn't be denying yourself these great pleasures, by the way. But just expect a little bit of a crash as well. The problem is if it's too high, you know, then the crash is going to be really severe. And I'll come back to, to what the recommendation is about this in a few minutes. Now, the science behind this is tremendous. They've used electrodes in animals. Sadly, of course, we have to do some experiments on animals uh, to confirm all this. It is a part of the brain called the ventral tegmental area. And they were able to show in animals that were going through a reward sensation, dopamine went up very high and then crashed, so it could be detected in that way. They could also show that addictive drugs could cause this big increase in dopamine in that part of the brain as well. And then again, then the crash was happening afterwards. So this is all proven. It was theorised for a long time, but now they can measure these things happening and it's really, really well supported that dopamine is where it's at. Now, as I often tell you, you need lots of lines of evidence in science. I'm only happy in my lab if I've three or four separate lines of evidence to support my bottom line. You know what the bottom line is. This is a very important piece of evidence. You can detect this stuff. You can measure it going up. You can inject it into brains, actually. You can also inject a precursor called L-DOPA, which makes dopamine in the brain, and that creates a reward sensation, you see. And then the drugs that are massively addictive are causing a big surge of dopamine, which you can measure. And you can also measure the receptors changing. Massive evidence, all these different lines of evidence support this. So, so all that supports the notion of the dopamine high followed by a crash and restoration and the high going too high especially with certain activities and it doesn't have just to be drugs it can be it can be gaming and gambling and all we know these things these things can cause addiction as well so again we know a lot about now the role of dopamine in these responses now before i come on to my advice for you let me talk briefly about parkinson's now for some unknown reason one part of the brain where dopamine is, it's called the substantia nigra. Its job there is different. Its job is to do with movement. That part of the brain gets destroyed by your immune system, and it's a shocking business. Uh, and my lab has worked on this over the years, and we've worked on a part of the immune system that goes over active in that part of the brain. It's called NLRP3 is the name. I think I might have mentioned this before. And our drug that we developed blocks that pathway. So we're hoping that that drug will be useful in Parkinson's because it stops the over-immune reaction in the substantia nigra, which destroys the neurons that make dopamine. So what's happening is the dopamine in that part of the brain just falls massively because the immune system is killing it. It's killing the neurons through this NLRP3 pathway. So we've got a drug that blocks that might stop that. It'd be tremendous. And we've got a trial running at the moment actually on this. People often ask me, it takes time to do these trials. Sadly, we're going as fast as we can. Hopefully, we'll help patients in the long run, but that takes time. So that's, that's the Parkinson's part, dopamine in one part of the brain tied into movement is going down and therefore you get tremor and all the symptoms of Parkinson's. And that, that's really it's disturbing for people. The other thing to say, by the way, is, and this is another finding, dopamine can suppress the inflammatory process in the brain, right? In other words, if, if the brain does get attacked by the immune system, another job, the third job of dopamine, right? So the first is reward. The second is tremor. The third is to suppress inflammation in the brain. And the trouble now is that that goes down in the substantia nigra. You're losing that break, on the inflammatory events in that part of it. And it makes things worse. So it's an awful kind of negative feedback loop, we call that. So again, the, again, the lots of independent evidence for dopamine and LRP3 in Parkinson's. Hopefully that will give rise to new therapies is the way to think of it. That, that's a separate function, just to mention that very briefly. Let's go back now to the highs and the lows. 
How the hell do you contend with this? Well, guess what? No pain, no gain. First of all, you can't be enjoying yourself all the time. It's okay to have a miserable day now and again or to do things that are tough for you. And again, it seems to be tied into evolution. Like a cold swim, for instance, will boost dopamine, but not into huge amounts. There's a bit of pain involved in jumping into a cold sort of bath or into the sea or whatever, taking a cold shower. So the pain bit seems to temper, if you will, the dopamine rush, and that's good. So in other words, natural things like a bit of pain, you might call it in that sense, uh, would allow you to get some dopamine, but not into overdrive. Uh, One study I read, camping trips do this. Now, Owen is a great man for going camping. He loves it, I bet you. (laughs) They're miserable, aren't they? But some people like camping. But there's always misery putting the bloody tents up and it's raining and you've got to go and find the toilet. So, and then you enjoy it as well. So it's, it's almost as if a good mix of a bit of pain and suffering and pleasure is best. And that will give you the right level of dopamine is one way to think of it. Exercise is the classic, a bit of painful exercise as well. And, and this seems to protect the receptors, by the way. So instead of having all the receptors going down because you have so much dopamine, the other bit of this experience is keeping the receptors up a bit. So it's about regulation of the receptors as well. And a very important study showed as we age, dopamine receptors go down. It's a feature of aging. And that means people can get a bit depressed and a bit down as they age, maybe partly because they can't get as much reward from dopamine. Exercise keeps the receptors up. So there you have it. Take some exercise. It'll boost your dopamine receptors and you'll sense the reward then in kind of a healthy way, you know. So the trick is not to overstimulate. The thing they've shown is if you have two stimuli at the same time, that's really bad. So gamers who take lots of caffeine, now often they're drinking back lots of coffee as they game. There's two stimuli going into the brain there and then you get further much dopamine as well. So we're going to double hit. Don't combine is the advice there, it seems. Uh, and that's a bad thing to have. And then what, what, can, what can keep these normal? Meditation is great. Mention that as well. They've, they've linked that to dopamine. A really good thing is to achieve flow. Now, what is flow? I've mentioned flow. I'm in the middle of flow now, okay? So, <laughs> flow is when you're kind of outside yourself and you might be doing it through exercise or through playing music or reading. You can achieve flow. But it always involves a bit of work flow. You can't get, in other words, there's always a price to be paid. Like if you master some skill, and it might be a sport, there's a bit of pain to get there, and then you get to the flow stage, you see. And I, I, for me talking to you now, I had to, I had to make me notes and read about this stuff, and that's a slight short, there's a bit of effort in it, but achieving flow through that, it seems especially pleasurable. And that seems to give right, rise to the right level of dopamine. So try and achieve flow. Flow always involves a bit of hard work, but the pleasure you get then is the right kind of pleasure, if you will. The bottom line, and here's my last word on this topic today. Moderation is key. Now, we all like to go crazy from time to time. I'm, I'm part of that camp as well, okay? But if you go too crazy and have a great time in various ways, there will be a downside. But it's okay occasionally. But moderation is the best way to do it, right? So don't spend too much time doing these pleasurable things. Even too much flow can be, be detrimental as well. The bottom line is struggle is good. There's a phrase I've decided to come up with. I haven't read this thing. A bit of struggle, a bit of effort. It takes a bit of time, a bit of your commitment, and then you begin to enjoy something. That's the right kind of pleasure, in a way. And that's where you get the best dopamine. It isn't too high, and then you won't get a massive, as big a crash afterwards. So there's the key advice for you. Moderation is good. Struggle is good as well. Try and achieve flow, and you will get the right level of dopamine, which your brain evolved to have. This is all about evolution, remember. We evolved to be in this way. And then you'll crave 
to keep doing these new things. You'll be motivated to go on that run or to read that book or to meet your friends or whatever it is. You need motivation for this and dopamine is tied into that motivation. Without the dopamine, you're not motivated to do it. So try and keep your dopamine level at the right level basically and you will hopefully have a happy life I should write a book about this I'm going to make a fortune all these self-help books so, someone's done this already by the way um, so there you have it the science of dopamine I hope you enjoyed that and got a dopamine rush from it uh, thanks so much for listening and my podcast is available for download every Thursday and it's a news talk production